DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Some of the stories on uh, Twitter this morning. PK, Ryan Abraham, who uh, covers USC, his website, uh, uscfootball.com, he just crushes it with his coverage of the Trojans. We have him on the show periodically. Uh, he retweeted this. It's you know We talk a lot about the sociology majors in sports. Uh, it's find an easier major you can get through while you're playing sports uh, more than full-time. But he's got this quote. I'm a human biology major on the pre-med track. I've always loved medicine and I always wanted to be a part of it. That's USC tight end Eric Cromenhook. I don't know how much Eric's going to play or how many touchdowns he's going to score. But if we see him running around, that's a quote to file away in the the back of your mind. Yeah, and what's awesome is that he didn't have the academics to get into ASU. Ah, nice. Well played, PK. (laughs) Not true, but well played. (laughs) DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Michael Lev joins us now, Arizona Wildcats beat writer for the Arizona Daily Star. Michael, good morning. Hey, good morning, fellas. How are you? Good. We wanted to have you on to kind of get the uh, the lowdown on the Wildcats as the season opener approaches. You know, the TV network spent a lot of money on this stuff, and so they actually have people who dig in the offseason to make sure they're not missing any storylines, and they know who's good and who's bad, so they can put the best teams and the best games on and make the most money. When I saw they put Utah and Arizona on ESPNU, my first thought was, well, they can't put it on the Pac-12 network this year, so they're putting it on ESPNU. Somebody thinks Arizona isn't very good. You're there every day. Do you think Arizona can be any good coming off the losing streak? A lot of people don't think Arizona is very good. <laughs> um, I, I've seen many predictions um, where you know the Wildcats are picked to go winless this season, which obviously would be problematic when you are coming off uh, consecutive losing seasons and riding a seven-game losing streak. Um, and they've got some problems, there's no doubt. Um, as I'm sure you and your um, listeners know, they lost several players on defense during the offseason, you know, mostly kind of pandemic-related. Uh, the, the headliners are, you know, they're, they're two longtime starting linebackers, Colin Schooler and Tony Fields. They both transferred uh, during the summer. Um, Collins' transfer was a direct result of the Pac-12, you know, procrastinating, basically, for, for lack of a better word. Um, when the league announced that it wasn't going to play, you know, he and his brother wanted to play really badly, so they transferred to Big 12 schools to guarantee themselves that opportunity. So some big holes on defense at linebacker. Also, safety is a potential problem area um, for the Cats. I think the good news is, if you're an Arizona fan, the offense is very promising um, with sophomore quarterback Grant Gannell taking over the job full time. Um, and I think for Arizona to win any games this year, the offense is going to have to carry them. Um, they're going to have to win um, some shootouts. Uh, haven't been able to get really anything going in the last couple matchups against Utah. Um, but I think for them to have a chance in that game and in other games, the offense is going to have to kind of control the pace control the tempo. They're going to have to play from ahead uh, to relieve stress uh, on what is an undermanned defense. So I don't know that I've ever seen somebody fall from grace as far as I saw Khalil Tate from when he was a sophomore, I think, under Rich Rod to these last couple years under Sumlin and Mazzoni. Now, it was just the like square peg, round hole type thing. I think that that's gone now. 
and they know what to do with Grant at quarterback. And he showed to me enough promise that he could be a very good quarterback there. And it seems like they're settled, so there's no confusion on what to do with him. And then they can actually have an offense where it looks like they know what they're doing. Is that a fair assessment? I think it's a tremendous assessment. Um, They struggled to establish a true identity last two seasons. Um, As you mentioned, it was never a great fit between Noel Mazzoni and Khalil Tate. They could never totally get um, on the same page. And then last year, you know, things devolved even further to the point that, you know, they were platooning the two quarterbacks, um, which, you know, has its advantages in that it forces the defense to prepare for two different styles. But, I, you know, very rare, very rarely do you find a two-quarterback system working uh, effectively nowadays. Um, the two players are totally different. I mean, Khalil Tate is a dual threat um, type of guy who's going to take a lot of shots down the field, um, rely on his athleticism, whereas Grant Gannell is a little more surgical, more of a traditional point guard style of quarterback who's just going to try to get the ball out of his hands and into the hands um, of his playmakers. And I do think it will be um, more advantageous than not for Arizona to have just the one quarterback this year. They can really um, focus in on one system, one style of play. Um, he can establish timing and rhythm uh, with his wide receivers. Obviously, there were uh, disruptions uh, during the offseason, but you know, Grant Gannell used that time to his advantage the best he could. He's bigger and stronger uh, than he was a year ago. I mean, he's six foot six and over 230 pounds. He worked with uh, Tom House, the uh, renowned quarterback guru, to improve his mechanics and arm strength. Um, and that's been noticeable according to several uh, receivers on the team. And that was kind of considered to be uh, his biggest weakness uh, coming off of that you know, pretty impressive freshman year. The one you know, caveat I would throw out there is that defenses do know what's coming now. Um, they don't have to prepare for two different styles. Uh, they, there's no more uncertainty on their part as to who's going to play and when, um, and they have a year's worth of film on Grant. So um, those are the challenges that he faces, but I think for the most part um, that it's going to be a positive for Arizona to have that quarterback situation settled now. Michael Lev joining us. He covers the Arizona Wildcats for the Arizona Daily Star. The Utes open the season against the Wildcats on November 7th. Uh, the Utes have won four in a row in this rivalry. Uh, before that, Arizona won four in a row with guys like Kadeem Carey and Nick Wilson cranking out 200-yard games, just running all over the Utes. Uh, the Utes' defense has gotten better, and the scheme obviously has changed offensively for Arizona. But do they have anything in the running game where they could, to what you referenced earlier, you know, run the ball, control it, control the tempo of the game? Do they have a line and backs who can, who can provide that the way they did when they were beating the Utes? Well, they most definitely have the backs to do it. Um, running back is, I think, easily the deepest, most talented group on the team. I know they don't have uh, J.J. Taylor anymore, but they returned Gary Brightwell, um, who rushed for, I want to say, 915 yards over the last two seasons, averaging more than five yards a carry. Um, and He's a pro prospect, given his size and speed uh, and ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Sophomore Michael Wiley, 
um, has packed on about 13 pounds of muscle. Um, he's over 200 pounds now and showed, again, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield last year. Um, they feel like they have five guys at that position um, that they like, including a couple of uh, impress, uh, freshmen who have impressed early. I do have some questions about the offensive line. Um, Donovan Lai, uh the junior who briefly uh, flirted with transferring uh, a couple of weeks ago, is back at left guard. They really like him a lot. He's another guy who might end up playing on Sunday someday. Um, they love Jordan Morgan, who's a, a sophomore left tackle, who's extremely athletic and someone that USC was per- pursuing uh, toward the end of his recruitment. Uh, they do have a potential injury concern, though, at center. Uh, Josh McCauley, uh, as reliable as any you know, pivot man uh, in the Pac-12, hurt his knee early in camp, um, hasn't been back since then, and his status for the opener is a question. Um, and that's a big concern going against, you know, a physical uh, Utah front. I know that the crowd noise factor won't be there without the actual crowd being there um, in Salt Lake City, but you're still, as the center, in a position where you've got to make a lot of decisions uh, at the line of scrimmage, directing the offensive line, identifying uh, where the pass rush is coming from. Uh, so the potential absence of Josh McCauley could hurt the offensive line, and it could hurt um, Arizona's ability to establish the run, which, as you mentioned, uh, was a vehicle for them to stay in and even upset Utah uh, in some recent matchups. So Marcel Yates and his defensive staff largely are gone. They bring in some new guys. Uh, you already mentioned Schooners off to Texas Tech, Schooler, and then Fields to West Virginia. So I look at the defense. I see uh, Jalen Harris at linebacker. He looks to me like he's a nice player. I think that uh, they moved him, though. He's going to be an outside linebacker this year. But other than that, man, I don't know that I got anybody that I could look at and depend on. And if someone is under heat in his third year to get it going, uh, what are they looking at defensively as far as anybody? Do they just go with young guys? Do they have some guys outside of Harris that they can count on? Well, I would say that um, there's a handful of standouts and veterans that they're going to lean on pretty heavily uh, on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned Jalen Harris, who has all the potential in the world to be a top-level pass rusher, and it's just kind of a matter of him uh, fulfilling that potential this year. I mean, he's legit 6'5", 260 um, at this point, and is, of course, the son of Sean Harris, who played for Arizona back in the day and then had a productive career with the Chicago Bears in the NFL. Um, Anthony Pandy uh, was Colin Schooler and Tony Fields' classmate. The original idea was to have Pandy play um, at one of the outside linebacker spots with Fields and Schooler uh, on the inside. The three of them played together a lot last year. Um, with Fields and Schooler gone, Pandy has had to move to middle linebacker. He also uh, has played inside linebacker in the past. The, the issue at linebacker is depth. Um, they brought in a couple grad transfers, uh, a defensive tackle that they like a lot, Aaron Blackwell uh, from New Mexico and Roy Lopez from New Mexico State. Those guys are going to play a prominent role. Um, It's always nice to have veterans who've kind of been through the wars, and they're going to really lean on that defensive line a lot to hold up blockers and free things up for the linebackers. And then uh, on the outside, I mean, they've got two cornerbacks um, who have 
you know, I would say the potential at least to make some all Pac-12 lists. Um, Lorenzo Burns has been around uh, for a while and has been one of the leading interceptors um, in the conference, a guy who could have gone into the NFL draft uh, this last year or even while things were kind of up in the air in the Pac-12, but decided to return instead. And then Christian Roland Wallace, um, who had a really nice freshman year last year, some inconsistencies, as, as you'd expect from a true freshman, but physically um, has all the attributes that you'd look for. Um, so they have a few pieces on defense for new defensive coordinator um, Paul Rhodes to build around. Uh, they do not have much in the way of depth, and I think they're really going to be vulnerable in the middle of the field. And if I were Utah, you know, I would probably try to establish the run early and then try to take advantage of that middle-of-the-field area with some play-action passes. Michael Lev joining us, Arizona Wildcats beat writer for the Arizona Daily Star. So you mentioned earlier that uh, there are people who are worried Arizona is going to have a winless season. Are there, They're not looking at the Utah game as one they're picking off. Are they thinking uh, Colorado, UCLA, just one day you'll force or be gifted four or five turnovers and win a game? What? How does this season map out for them? Yeah, I mean, when you just look at the schedule on paper, uh, really tough beginning to the slate. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Utah has had the better of this matchup several years in a row. The last two seasons weren't even competitive. Games on the road. Then you got USC coming here. Um, that's who I picked to win uh, the Pac-12 South this year, and I've had them pretty consistently in my AP Top 25 as well. And then they have to go to Washington after that. On paper, I mean, that's an 0-3 start. And if you start 0-3 and you're coming off of a seven-game losing streak and you don't have a normal season, you wonder, you know, what is the level of investment going to be? What is the level of motivation going to be? Um, I actually think out of those first three games that Utah might be the one um, that's most vulnerable just because it's the first game of the season um, new quarterback, new running back, largely new defense. Um, you never know what you're going to get in the first game, and we've seen a lot of upsets across college football. Um, if you look at the back half of the schedule, UCLA is a team that Arizona defeated last year with Grant Gannell, um making his first career start as a freshman who had very little experience um, at that time. Uh, Colorado here. Uh, a team that Arizona has gotten the better of. And then, you know, you finish up the, the six-game portion of the schedule uh, with Arizona State, your rival. Um, they should have beaten Arizona State two years ago and probably should have beaten them three years ago. You never know what you're going to get in a rivalry game. Uh, on paper, you can see a path to 2-4 and four or 3-3. Three and three. My question is, if you start 0-3, like what kind of impact does that have on the program psychologically? You know, are you still focused and, and invested in things enough where you can turn things around. So if they do go 0-3, who's shown the door first, Sumlin or Sean Miller? <laughs> oh, man, that's a great question. Um, it's, the, the question of you know Kevin Sumlin's future, his status here, it's, it's really murky. It's, it's really difficult to kind of decipher, um, in part because you know, money's tight, as you guys know. It like programs across the country. You know, the revenue streams aren't what they were, and they're not going to be what they were for a long time. So, can you afford to pay someone to not work for you? 
And can you afford to pay that person a significant chunk of money? You know, if they were to fire uh, Kevin Selman before mid-January, he'd be owed $7.5 million in a buyout. Now, relatively speaking, across the landscape of college football, maybe that's not that much. But when you're in the position that Arizona's in right now, and a lot of uh, schools are suffering financially, that's a lot of money. Um, On the other hand, how long of a losing streak can you tolerate? You know, that seven-game skid to end the season, I mean, that's a real thing. And with each loss at the beginning of the year, it just grows and grows. And you, you want the fan base to be engaged and enthused for whenever they get to come back here. And there's not going to be a lot of enthusiasm for a Kevin Sumlin-led regime if they're riding a 10, 11, 12-game losing streak. Or 14. Or 14, <laughs> right. <laughs> if they were, to, they were to match that 0-7 with another 0-7. Well, Michael, we appreciate a little time you mapping it out. I think the Ute fans, they don't want to count the chickens before they hatch, but they're counting this as a W. But, hey, it's a season opener and it's a conference game, so you never really know. Thanks for coming on and painting a little bit of a picture for us, though. Hey, thanks for having me, fellas.